Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tuxtapai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It's uh, uh, it's July. I don't even know what today's date is. It's the dog days of the offseason, and um, we got some stuff to talk about. What we'll do today is we will talk about the news, of which there is some. We will talk about my experience covering Vegas Summer League, uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this midseason tournament, which is premature, but... We've been talking about some ideas, so we thought we'd let you in on that. So, welcome to the podcast. Uh, what is today's date, the 20th? Thereabouts. Uh, being a teacher and someone who covers the NBA, July and August are just like vague ideas for me. Uh, I'm on the road in Pittsburgh, so apologies for my less than audio. I know that my audio is always crystal clear, uh, but it might be a little less than this time around. Uh, Alex, how's Maine? Maine was gorgeous. It was very, very nice. Uh, we stayed in the cabin for a week or so and just got to enjoy being by the water, eating lots of fried seafood. It was a good time. And now we're back in Boston where it's going to be 97 degrees all week. Mm-hmm. Dr. Quinn, how are things in Mexico? Uh, about 80 degrees and I thought I felt bad, but I'm going to shut up. Hmm. It's pretty hot here in Pittsburgh too, which shout out to Chuck Cooper first black man drafted into the NBA by the Boston Celtics. He played at Duquesne, which for those of you who don't know is here in Pittsburgh. And I took a class there. So I'm going to claim it as my alma mater. All right. Anyways, let's talk about the news. Actually, this just kind of broke as we were getting prepared for this. The Celtics have reportedly hired Mike Moser from the Oregon women basketball program under head coach Kelly Graves. He is from the Portland area and you may recognize that name. Not only did he play hoops in Portland, um, he played for the Boston Celtics summer league team back in 2014. So he was a teammate of Marcus Smart, Phil Pressey, Kelly Olenek, James Young, guys like that. So Mike Moser, welcome to the Celtics. Justin and Alex, anything I missed? No, cool, cool to have another experience assistant uh, on the staff. Obviously, college experience is not quite the same as the NBA, but nonetheless, Moser seems like he has done a pretty good job building himself up in the ranks of the coaching world. I'm happy to have him join Ben Sullivan and others for a Celtics coaching staff that is looking pretty strong heading into the season. Yeah, I'm enjoying how the Celtics are kind of becoming the Spurs and the Pacific Northwest while the Utah Jazz are becoming the Celtics, which we can talk about. Sure. Yeah, uh, Moser was a journeyman. I think that that adds credibility for the bench guys. He's from the Portland area, so that adds credibility for Pritchard. And he played with Smart, so just some camaraderie. So that's cool. Also in the interest of news, now that it is the 20th, the Fournier TPE has officially expired. Um, I'm supposed to ask you guys if it's a travesty, the right call, yada, yada. Um, I'll just offer that. I thought Ryan Bernadoni over on the winning plays podcast broke it down pretty well where he said the Brogdon trade was the TPE. It just happened in different parts. Um, But not to subvert the entire conversation, Alex, any thoughts on the TPE expiring? I think that's pretty much right. Um, The Celtics basically had a budget of one big swing move that they could have made this offseason, which they did the Brogdon move. Uh, And then they had the budget for roughly two to three smaller moves, one of which appears to be the signing of Danilo Gallinari, the other of which I think are probably forthcoming maybe later in the offseason. Would it have been nice for the Celtics to acquire a free $17 million bench piece? Sure. But the odds of that happening were always fairly low, to be frank. Um, Mm -hmm. The thing about these TPEs that we have to take into account is that 
it's a rarity that you get a player with that kind of traded player exception that um, is a perfect fit to begin with. And usually if that player does exist, you're probably going to have to give up something substantial in this trade to get that player um, based on everything that the Celtics have been saying about the current state of their team and their rotations. Uh, it seems to me that they didn't really see an offer out there that would have made sense, probably would have involved giving up draft compensation or Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard. And then once you get to that point, it's like, all right, is it really worth it to bother doing this when we can go after Malcolm Brogdon, we can go after Gallinari and kind of plug holes that way. And it has to be mentioned that while the Fournier TPE for 17 million has expired, Celtics still have two other sizable TPEs from the Dennis Schroeder and Juancho Hernan Gomez trades, both of which could likely be used to acquire a player that we think they're looking for in this kind of backup big man slot. The salary would fit a lot cleaner that way and cost a lot less to get. So meh, whatever. Yeah, the Celtics have three open roster slots at the time of this podcast. Justin, any thoughts on what Alex offered or just in general, how they might fill out the rest of this roster? Well, I think if not Matt Ryan, they're going to look for somebody who's kind of more wingy because that seems to be like, as far as relatively inconsequential depth, but still kind of important should something like COVID return. Uh, Somebody who can at least defend well enough to stay on the court. I don't think anyone really expects them to need to score with all the, the additions that this team has made. So we are for all intents and purposes, very, very close to the end of offseason move. There might be a move for a big man. Uh, I've heard some speculation that they might kick the tires on Luke Cornett and Fiando Kamengele. I'll get that right. Like we, really, <laughs> we, we, we all collectively need to make sure we get this guy's name right. Uh, he's going to be around for at least a little while. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. There's really no rush, uh, particularly uh, through training camp. There's going to be guys who shake free. Maybe somebody really good does shake free. I've heard some speculation uh, that, you know, there are some potential buyout candidates. Uh, Derek Favors, for example, from Oklahoma City Thunder seems like a pretty obvious one. He would fit pretty good. Uh, there might even be, you know, better opportunities in the future. Uh, I don't think anyone's really expecting uh, Jamichael uh, Green Jamichael Green? Yeah, that's the last name. Anyway, brain fart. Uh, Jamichael to, to break free from the, the Thunder either, and it looks like they're trying to clear some salary. I heard Keith Smith on uh, the front office podcast talking about the fact that Muscala has not actually been signed yet, uh, mm-hmm. which I find pretty interesting. I'm going to be watching what happens with Oklahoma City in terms of what they're doing on the margins just to see if there's something good from a frequent trade partner to materialize there. Uh, just a point of clarity, Jamichael Green signed with the Warriors, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, he, he did shake loose from the thunder, but not in the way that you were offering. Um, yeah, I, I guess my take is a few things still need to happen this summer. I think uh, Tobias Harris needs to be traded. I think um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving maybe will get traded, I think. Buddy Heald. I still think there's a few things that could happen such that the landscape changes a little. Um, I'm curious if the Celtics realize that they don't have minutes for Peyton Pritchard and maybe act on that sooner rather than later. But I don't think that the defending Eastern conference champions are under the gun to really make a move right now. Um, since we last talked, they did sign uh, Kevin Gallet to a two-way deal, correct? 
And right now, J.D. Davison is on a two-way, but there is speculation that he could indeed get one of those regular contracts that are so coveted. Justin, can you just explain why we have it in our notes? It occurs to me I don't understand it. Um, if J.D. is converted to an active roster spot, that would save some money towards the tax. Why is that? Uh, I, I would be lying to you if I could tell you the, the apocryphal reasons why, but for whatever reason, uh, if you sign players with no NBA experience uh, from, I think it's a two-way deal, but it might just be with no experience period that you draft. Um, I think it might be more of the draft. Uh, Ryan Bernardi would be the person to ask, or Keith Smith, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, but in any case, the, the fact remains that they could save a little bit of money in terms of just the salary. And then when you take into the fact that repeater tax, then we're, we're talking like over like probably, I guess about 2 million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time. We don't even spend time on this talking about whether or not the previous last season Celtics should or should not become taxpaying teams. Uh, they're contenders by, by definition. So I think they should be okay with paying the tax, but, and Alex, I can't believe I'm saying this. If they ever needed to get under the tax, Derek White feels like a redundant piece. Um, so they could always, if they need to, sneak away from the tax. I hope that this time, January and February, we're not having this conversation. But um, it occurs to me that Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White play similar positions on the basketball court. Ah, sorry. It's similar positions, but they have very different games. Brogdon True. is much yeah, yeah. more of a facilitator shooter type. He can defend, but not on the same level that White can. And his knees can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say White is, uh, you know, healthier. Yes, mm. it's true. Now, I think there, there might be a little bit of redundancy with some of the pieces on this roster. I don't think that's a crazy take, but I also think that given the nature of some of those pieces and the fact that we should probably be factoring the fact that like some of those pieces are going to miss time this season. And that's by design. Um, I think if you're heading into the trade deadline and something is really wrong, then maybe you tap the uh, kind of take a look around the league and see what you can get for a guy like Derek white. But if things go kind of according to plan, which we're hoping that they will, um, then the continuity of this team seems to be a really important and driving motivator for uh, all of the moves that they've made this offseason. So I'd be a little surprised if they were seeing major deadline action, but anything's possible. You never know. Yeah, there's also a lot more size in terms of Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. They can even play up to the three for short stints against smaller lineups just fine. Yeah, in in thinking about what they do about Ben, I mean, uh, wing depth, it's, it's fun to daydream about signing Carmelo Anthony, but um, Derek White's pretty tall. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> no, he's the exact opposite of what to say. He's a ball hog. He's a much better shooter than he used to be, so he would fit if he accepted his role, and he does. He has – I will not – I feel like he has in the past three seasons. Yeah, no, I mean, but do they really want to, like, you know, roll the dice on a diva popping up in the worst possible moment? I mean well, – I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, taking that Carmelo Anthony slant there. That's, I, I, that's the old Melo. I'm closer to your thoughts, uh, Cam, on Mello. I'm I'm the pro Mello guy for the most part, but I do think that Sam Hauser has earned the right to get that shot for now, and I don't I don't really see a world where Mello comes in uh, and helps the team substantially more than Gallinari, Grant, and Hauser would be. All right. Well, let's, we'll have this conversation when they sign Mello. Okay. Uh, <laughs> couple other things in the interest of news, and then we'll keep it moving. Grant Williams recently talked about whether or not the Celtics were the better team um, and a little bit about the possibility of a contract extension. Dr. Quinn, can you fill us in on what um, 
our friend Grant Williams said? Um, well, regarding the contract extension, he sounded optimistic. Uh, for, I think it was uh, Mr. Fisher from Bleacher Report who was talking about there's some skepticism that that deal will get done uh, just because of deals like uh, was it Kenrich Williams, of, again, Oklahoma City, City Thunder, getting something like 13 or $14 million a year, maybe even more than that. I can't remember exactly what that No, you're, you're thinking of Kelvin Johnson. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. 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 He's not getting that much. He's just not. I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not going to be making more than Robert Williams. No, and the Celtics aren't in the business of bad contracts at least they haven't been in a while i don't i don't think brad stevens is going to get sentimental about letting grant williams walk if another team is gonna you know double his salary over what the celtics are comfortable with but um we will see i, I think and again that, i mean if grant williams has played himself into that position right it's probably not a bad place for the celtics to be so yeah second round grant williams give me that contract expense extension nba finals grant williams uh, let's let's roll the ball out. Let's see what you got. Because uh, a little less than convinced. Um, okay. And speaking of which, Grant, uh, Alex, and uh, Justin were talking about this in our DMs. Grant, uh, well, Alex, you tell us what Grant said and your thoughts. Yeah. So Grant was interviewed today, and uh, one of the things that he mentioned that's caused a little bit of kerfuffle on NBA Twitter is that he believes earnestly that the Boston Celtics were the better team in the NBA Finals, and that the Golden State Warriors one because they are more disciplined and experienced and grant uh love the confidence respect it a lot i have got some news for you if the team that you're playing was more disciplined and more experienced probably means that they were the better team especially if they actually won the series i think grant uh i I respect his confidence a lot and i've been really happy to see that be a major area of growth for him. And I am really proud that he's kind of blossomed into his role as a major league irritant for opposing teams. And he needs that confidence to be that. So I have no problem with the comments. I do disagree. The Warriors were the better team. And that was pretty clear by the end of the series. I feel like it was a semantic thing with him. I feel like what he was trying to say was that the roster, the Celtics roster was the younger and more talented roster top to bottom. But you have to play the games and it doesn't matter how talented you are as an individual, a collection of individuals is not a better team than a more disciplined, as you put it, roster. Yeah, the better team doesn't average 18 turnovers or whatever it is. That's just, that's just not good basketball. So we love you, Grant, but um, with respect, I think we disagree. Okay, uh, just in the interest of news, the Jazz are indeed becoming maybe the Boston Celtics of the West. Jason Terry is going to be an assistant under Will Hardy. Scott Morrison um, is going to be the summer league coach uh, and their G League coach. G League coach, yeah. G League coach. Um, and then obviously we got Danny Ainge and Evan Brad's a player development coach out there. So um, sorry, D-Wade. It's uh, the Celtics West out there. And um, that's kind of it in the interest of news, but we reserve the right to be loud wrong about the fact that Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell uh are about to be traded because who the heck knows so it's wednesday what did we say july 20th 7 p.m so far those two guys play for the teams that they nominally play for but who knows maybe we'll have an emergency pot although um i'm i don't want this to happen i'm a little surprised at how little donovan and mitchell to the celtics buzz there has been just because that buzz was pretty loud um, good fit 
it's not a good fit anymore. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't. But hey, if you got takes, you just let them rip. That's not how the content thing, is made these days. You know, the thing is though, if the Celtics wanted Donovan Mitchell, even if they did, I, I truly don't think they'd be majorly in the mix to get him. You have to take a look at what Danny Ainge is looking he for. Seven or eight first round picks. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, we, we don't have the picks to do that. And unless you're trading Jalen Brown, I don't think Danny Ainge is going to be particularly interested in any package that the Celtics have to offer for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not advocating for it. I just, um, because people will say anything about anything in um, the world of the NBA. I'm, I'm shocked that that um, wasn't something that I'd seen or heard more. And in fact, I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. They don't even have lines on Donovan. So maybe it's, it's really a fool's errand to try to guess. Although while I'm looking at it, the Celtics have the second best championship odds over on betonline.ag, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. By the way, the Celtics are a plus 625, second only to the Bucks, who are plus 600. I don't really bet. I don't know what that means. But if you are someone who bets, you should go to betonline.ag. You can find the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's MLB pennant races and all that jazz, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website or use your mobile device today. And if you sign up using our promo code CLNS50, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. Uh, I was in summer league for the first time um, ever. And we can talk about how that happened. Um, but Justin, I, I guess I'm going to be interviewed. So you can, you can take the reins. Sure. So uh, give me some broad impressions on your first Las Vegas summer league in person. Sure. Uh, well, my impressions are that Summer League has changed. Um, it's, it's played on the UNLV campus, which is a pretty major basketball stadium. In years past, it has really not looked like it's gotten big run, big fanfare or whatever, but it's really quite a production. Um, all the Uber drivers and people that I talked to in Vegas still didn't really know what was going on. So I really do think that it's growing and um, how much of a scene it is. So that was really interesting. Um, and to that end, the, just the extent to which the NBA world descended upon Vegas for that stretch, probably by design, um, was really fascinating. Um, there's just, uh, I feel a little embarrassed to kind of gawk at it because I was there doing you know, professional work. But um, if I can kind of remove myself from the, those barriers and, and just kind of gossip, it's just an NBA Mad Lib come to life. Um, Alonzo Mourning helped me get onto the Wi-Fi. Uh, you're just, any, anyone that you can ostensibly think of in the NBA or, orbit may or may not be there at any given time. Um, so your favorite broadcasters and writers, um, saw Woj and Shams 10 feet from one another, which is hilarious. Um, your favorite executives. I uh, accidentally sat down between Tim Connolly and Brad Stevens before I even noticed what was happening. Um, all your favorite players. It's just really an intense. And I think, you know, scouts and agents and front office people are there because they're trying to get a sense of, um, you know, the next generation of NBA talent. But I think also the players and associated people are there because increasingly it's just kind of a scene. Um, so yeah, that was uh, really fun. Um, shout out to the people who organized it. It was well run. Um, 
because for something to grow this fast, you know, you could understand they don't really know what they're doing, but it exceptionally well run. Um, and yeah, really a dream come true. I, I'm trying to play it cool, but just as a basketball fan, it was one of the cooler things I've ever experienced. Yeah, Alex. Um, who was the, so obviously, you know, you had some pretty major highlights. You got to interview Devin Booker. You got to interview Josh Giddy. You chatted with Jalen Brown for a little bit. Like clearly you're making waves amongst the stars and uh, hats off to you for that. But I'm curious, who is the kind of surprise under the radar person that you got the most interesting discussion out of at summer league uh cool i like that question um well first shout out to nba 2k um i was there covering the launch of that game and um they kind of really put it all in motion so check out nba 2k 23 and uh, my interviews with those people you can find them if you search for them uh the people that's a really good question i mean i just met like our contemporaries from Sacramento and New Orleans and people that I, I wish I caught their name. A few of them I did. Um, so that was really good chatter. Uh, I finally met our, our boy Yossi Goslin in person and sat with him for a game, um, which was really good. Um, oh, Alex is breaking news, uh, 7.06 Eastern time, much more important than me talking about our friend Yossi. Uh, so sorry to interrupt. Alex. Yeah, um, no, no, go for it. James Harden has agreed on a two-year 68 68- $0.6 million deal, including a player option to return to the 76ers. That's per Woj. Uh, pretty hefty chunk of change for two years on a player option, but probably less than I think a lot of people were expecting James Harden was going to get heading into this offseason. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to get ahead of that propaganda right now. This is not Harden doing the Sixers a favor. This is Harden uh, making himself more money than he was going to make otherwise because uh, that that version of James Harden that showed up in the postseason and for lots of the regular season isn't going to make 30 plus million dollars in the open market. I don't think maybe the NBA is a kooky place, but um, I, I'm I already might've paid it, but it wouldn't have been a very good team. Yeah. I'm already anticipating James Harden. So noble. He said to, to Maury, just go sign whoever I'll take whatever's left over. <laughs> Come on, dude. Um, to cool. Uh, it's a good deal. It's probably very helpful for the Sixers, but also it's very helpful for James Harden. Um, yeah, I think win-win. I think he might actually be able to opt out, get a better deal if he does, you know, right. do what he's saying he's going to do. But I'm skeptical after, you know, a couple of seasons of seeing those hamstrings kind of, you know, diminish him a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Sixers are like a sleeping giant a little bit. Um, I think they're going to be really good. They I think they're going to be really good, but like, roster. I don't know what happens in the postseason. Maxie's young and so, Harden's Arden. Joel Embiid asking for a trade this time uh, next December or something like that when it all goes south. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, the Vegas was from the ringer was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, I played 2K with Jesse Lingard for soccer fans. Um, I taught him how to play. I set it to rookie mode so he wasn't sucking so bad. And then he hit a half court shot and uh, made a big scene. So um Screw you, Jesse Lingard. Uh, no, actually, Jesse Lingard was very charming. Um, okay, anything else on, on Vegas? You caught a game. Who popped? Like, the Celtics. I mean, you caught a Celtics summer league game. So, like, who? Like, yeah. Um, we're watching it on TV. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. And actually, I hadn't uh, sat close to a professional basketball game. I, I was right on the baseline. I haven't sat that close in a while. NBA players are so big. Um, yeah, I really liked Captain Gale's game for summer league um 
And the game that I watched, he played pretty well. I don't remember the stats offhand, but Trevion Williams really has fundamentals were, were really obviously strong. Um, so not as raw, um, but summer league, it, it is a lot of guys trying to get theirs and a lot of like raw untamed um, athleticism and, and Trevion Williams t- was putting it together in a way that you don't really see at summer league always. Um, and then JD Davis said two things stood out He's really fast. Um, he's got a lot of work to do, but really fast. And then uh, we, we talked to him after the game uh, and he's so young. Um, you forget how much, you know, meeting media training, the guys who go to Duke and Kentucky get and the NBA players eventually catch on to, but it's, it's so clear how young he is um, in the best of ways and totally normal. Um, he's also from the deep South. So he's got that wonderful, wonderful accent. Um, so yeah, D- Davison really endeared me and um, Trevion Williams, Alex, I'm, I'm excited to play some fundamental ball when I get back to Boston and play for our team. Did you go to any other games? Yeah, I, it's really, it's truly madness. Um, UNLV and it's called the Cox Pavilion. They're two basketball stadiums conjoined by a concession area and with a media pass. I think actually with just a general admission ticket, you can just walk back and forth. Um, so I was there for two full days, basically caught a little bit of the Lakers game, a little bit of that Warriors game. Um, really a ton of games that, uh, were really cool. Uh, I'm so high on the thunder right now because uh, I think their young players are so charismatic, but also really good. So that was probably the most exciting one for me, but every game had its own bit of fanfare, whether it was job was there or Scotty Pippen and Floyd Mayweather were there or whatever it was. So it really is a production. Um, Vegas was so hot and, um, the strip is not my scene, but if you're a true hoops fan and you have time, uh, really, really a fun thing to experience. So Cam, uh, in addition to going to games, you went to some other events while you were out in Vegas. Most notably, you went to Jalen Brown's juice launch party. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, what that experience was like. Who'd you encounter? What'd you do? What were the highlights? Just give us the play-by-play. Sure. Uh, so I, I got it wrong at first is what happened. Um, I saw that Jalen uh, posted on Instagram that Juice was having an event um, in Vegas at the MGM Grand. So I reached out to the Juice people we talked through email before and just said, hey, like, I'd love to get the word out, thinking um, it was like a pop-up, uh, an apparel giveaway similar to the one that he did in the Seaport once or twice. Um, and in fact, I talked to Jared Weiss, friend of the pod about this, and he thought the same thing. He was considering going, but he said, you know, I don't want to go too early. I don't want to just be with all the tourists. So I really thought that this was, you know, a juice event proper. Um, and what it was, was actually an extension of something Jalen has been doing for years, which is working with the MBPA. Um, and I think now 2K Sports is in on it um, as an extension for rookie orientation for the MBPA stuff, the players union stuff. Um, so during the day, he, as uh, vice president of the executive committee, spoke to the rookies, as did a bunch of people from the PA in Vegas about what the PA can do for them, what it's there for, what it's not there for, et cetera, et cetera. And then at night, they had this event with the PA, with 2K, um, with NBA Top Shot, um, and then also with Juice and Donda Sports. That was an extension of this welcome committee. Um, I talked to Jalen and he said as such, you know, we want you to know that PA has your back, that um, this is a community and on and on. So I really, as a quote unquote journalist, got it wrong. Um, I thought I was going to something very different. 
So I showed up like as they were setting things up, but um, it was really a party for, for all the attendees. Um, there was an official business. Um, so there were fun pop-up photo shoots um, and they partnered as Juice well might um, with some cool brands, um, Robe Looks, a Boston-based brand that does sustainable clothing. Um, really, I had a, a short conversation with Jalen and it's just so clear that, you know, he's, he very much so cares to practice what he preaches. So a lot of the um, partners at this event seem to be of that, that ilk. Um, so I wrote a little story about this in Self-Expire. I kind of name-dropped a lot of people to share some love. I encourage people to check that out. But um, yeah, I was like little nerd with a backpack at um, this party at the penthouse, the MGM Grand for uh, basketball players, which was uh, a surprise and a treat. Was that haircut you got done there? <laughs> yeah, so they... Um, they brought in two barber chairs. I only met one barber, Lauren the Legend from Atlanta. If you're ever in Atlanta, find Lauren the Legend. Um, just as part of telling the story, I wanted to experience everything. So I did the photo shoots and um, I had to sit in the chair. So I got, I got a clean line. I got a desperately needed haircut. Um, I walked away with uh, some hair care products that I had to leave in Vegas because I didn't want to check a bag. Um, but yeah, no, truly it was uh, a really... It was a big party. Isaiah Thomas showed up. Ime Odoka showed up. I mean, it was a party uh, as an extension of this kind of PA orientation, um, which part of it was so that rookies can, you know, have fun responsibly in Vegas. Because um, I said this to Jalen. I remember when he was a rookie, he took everyone out to the um, driving range because rookies don't have that much to do in Vegas while everyone else um, gets into trouble. And uh, maybe off air, I can tell you about all the trouble I heard about in Vegas from some of our NBA friends. Interesting. So uh, really quick, like a minute tops. What else should we know about Las Vegas Summer League for those of us who have not gone or might go in the future? Um, I think I already said, you know, if you, if you really love hoops, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, if you listen this far, you probably qualify. Um, if you can afford it, it, it seems worth it. Um, something that I will tell you is that whole like dry heat thing it doesn't apply in the city because all the buildings are just like spitting out air conditioning exhaust so it feels hot and sticky in the city of las vegas um my stepsister lives in the las vegas suburbs then you can experience the dry heat and what that phenomenon feels like if you've not spent time in the desert in the city it is so oppressively hot um do not for example walk from uh one hotel to your press conference that you are attending because you're too lazy to find the shuttle, uh, that's a mistake. Don't do that. Cool. Uh, I've never been interviewed by the Celtics lab before. What a treat. Uh, let me get back into my host persona. Okay. Uh, to round this puppy off, we want to talk about that mid-season tournament. I'm going to read you what Shams Charania of The Athletic let us know recently that when the NBA Board of Governors met uh, about a week ago, they discussed the in-season tournament. It's a concept around all 30 teams competing and then eight teams entering a single elimination round to determine the winner with a final four at a neutral site per sources. And Sean says 2023, 2024 at the earliest. So we're getting ahead of the curve, um, but we've been talking about it. So we thought we would get you in on this. Um, let me go around the horn first. Why, pray tell, do you think the NBA is doing this? Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you first. Why does Money? the NBA... Money? <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay, give me a different reason. <laughs> Fan engagement. AKA money. Yeah. Uh, Alex? Yeah. Uh, 
it's it's exactly that. I mean, let's be real. I, I, I do think the only other motivating factor I could think of is this might be a way for the NBA to thread the needle of shorting the re- shortening the regular season without losing a lot of dollars. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I think this is justification. The league can say, we want to do this. And the NBAPA can say, well, we want 70 games in response. And secretly, both sides want both of those things or are willing to take both of those things. Um, I, we're going to go through what we think it maybe ought to look like or could look like in a moment. Um, I do think that uh, the NBA hasn't figured out how to stop tanking. And so if this can like meaningfully showcase the Oklahoma City Thunder or the, the Rockets, two very cool teams that don't play meaningful basketball between the months of January on. Um, if I don't know that this is actually the motivation. I mean, the correct answer is money. Um, but if this is a way for uh, young teams to really like get their, their guys or some of their guys out and playing meaningful basketball, um, Kelsey, I, I'm sure people saw Kelsey Plum's little trophy that she got for winning the WNBA three-point contest. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be a buttload of cash on the line, but like, my goodness, make a better trophy. Something you drink a beer out of or something, because you've got to really incentivize performance, which we will talk about. Um, okay. Anything I missed on this thing that might never happen before we talk about it? I don't think tanking is very bad anymore because of the the lottery ads, but I mean, I'm curious to see how it will change the season because it will change the season. Yeah. I mean, if this kid, Victor Lemignana, the French kid, if he's the real deal, we will see exactly. uh, It's going to be shameless, folks. (laughs) It's going to be really bad this year. (laughs) All right. Well, um, there's not going to be a season tournament this year, but maybe it will soften the blow of tanking or not. I don't know. So, Alex, you get first bite at the apple. Tell us about your version of the NBA midseason tournament. Sure. So I was racking my brain over this because all of the proposals I've seen have one kind of core problem, which is that it seems like the star players would probably opt out and spend time resting. And at the end of the day, the NBA is perhaps more so than any other major American sport, a stars league. If you do not get the stars to participate, people are probably not going to watch very much. So I crafted my summer, uh, my uh, midseason tournament idea based around the logic of what will get the stars to actually show up and play. Where, how are we going to get LeBron, Durant, Giannis to actually show up and do this thing? And the thing that I came up with is you can't appeal to their wallets because these dudes are already zillionaires. You have to appeal to their egos. So without further ado, the NBA midseason tournament should be a positional 1v1 battle. Each team submits three players, one guard, one wing and one big with specific height qualifications for each position. You have to be between this height and this height to play this or yada, yada, yada. Games are to 21. They are single elimination, ones and twos. Guards play guards, bigs play bigs, wings play wings to start off. Then at the end, the top two one versus one players for each position come together and play a 3v3 with a cash prize split three ways on your team. It's pickup style, you get captains, the captains get to draft people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And the hardware at the end, a big gold cup 
with your names etched into it for eternal bragging rights. So that next year, Marcus Smart, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic can win the 1v1 battle and have their names etched into the cup for eternity as the best 1v1 players at their positions. I'm just throwing that out there. All right. Um, I don't think we're editorializing. Maybe at the end we will, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to mine. Okay, so I, yes, it's a television product. It's got to be good. I think that it would be interesting. I mean, first, if you're, they're going to host 30 teams, um, I don't know where they're going to do it. If it's not Vegas, maybe LA, but maybe they go back to the bubble. A um, little bit of nostalgia. It was fun to see like the NBA players going in the pool and uh, going fishing and stuff like that. So I kind of like the idea of them going to the same place every time. I know the final four would be maybe a rotating neutral site, um, but that might be kind of fun um, just to kind of like drum up the fanfare because we love like the social media and stuff behind the um, NBA. And what I'm thinking again, if Shams is right and it's gotta be 30 teams, it's just a bonanza of single elimination tournament. Um, I don't really watch March Madness, I'm gonna be perfectly honest, but I am aware that like those first few days where it's just like a game, a game, a game, a game, a game is madness. There you go. Uh, so I'd like to see something like that where it's just relentless scheduling of basketball where it's NBA game, NBA game on NBA game on NBA game. So. I'm interested in that. And then uh, I'm a million years old. So I watched the MLB all-star game last night and it was great. It was so engaging. They did such a good job. Um, and one thing they did in particular was they mic'd up the players while they played. Um, so I don't remember the guy's name, but he's mic'd up pitching and he's talking to the booth and he's like, all right, watch this. And he strikes the guy out and he's, he's uh, cheering for himself. It was unbelievable. So I don't, I don't want to see them make some crazy gimmicky thing with four pointers and, money balls and crap like that, which they'll definitely do. Um, instead, I think that they need to be careful and creative about how it's produced on television, which um, being mic'd up, I could do that. Celebrity coaches could do that. I think there are ways of making it classy um, because I, I suspect they're gonna make a really cheesy product and I'm not gonna like it, but I think there are ways to make it um, interesting. And then Alex, I came to kind of similar conclusions. Uh, incentivize it with cash, definitely match to charity. Um, I don't really want to see just like an exchange of money from billionaires to millionaires um, in Disney. We get enough of that. Um, and then Alex, I liked your idea of the cup. I'm wondering if there could be like a championship style belt the way that the WWE has and you get to like wear it around or something like that. That would be pretty cool actually. Um, and then I'm wondering <laughs> if like, maybe you win the skills challenge, you get like a money in the bank, you can cash in or something. Oh like yeah, now like, we're talking. No, let's do this. I'm in. Because uh, ooh, I like, because I, I was, I was going to um, zig while you guys zagged and I was going to say, I don't want to see game to 21, uh, twos and ones. Uh, the, just just blow my load already, right? Jesus. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not in on it. I don't like the twos and ones. Um, uh, I'll explain later, but um uh, so I was thinking like eight and a quarters, uh, full, full game, um, if not full court, at least uh, half court. Um, but then there is something that it's like, if you do have a money in the bank and like the, a different belt and you can cash in, you can like challenge people to pick up. So maybe there's just like That's four funny. gyms and teams are kind of roaming and camera folk are roaming. Um, so, okay. I, I'm going to smooth my answer, which is, uh, they go to the bubble and they play a quick tournament and they have a few gimmicks, but it's just like well broadcast. But if they don't do that, 
they go in the opposite direction and they basically do everything the WWE does where like there's walkout speeches and music and villains and crazy crap like that. Um, so you have till 2023 to iron that one out. Okay, Justin, tell us about your NBA midseason tournament. So a lot of the themes that we were talking about are also something I try to contend with. Uh, the fact that, for example, stars aren't necessarily going to be so interested in playing, but with the idea that this might also be kind of a gambit to shorten the season, maybe we don't want them playing, right? So mm -hmm. my idea was kind of similar. Uh, it, it grew out of a conversation I had with Alex earlier about this. Uh, also three on three, a six man team. You can have whatever players you want. If you want all bigs, you want all smalls, positionless, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But you have six players. No one over 25 is allowed save one player. Right, so that that basically decreases even the ability if they wanted to participate of your high mileage older players from participating. So really, only the young legs are are going to be in this contest with any kind of you know, serious engagement. Uh, obviously, again, cash prizes. Uh, it's going to mean more to these younger players who are on their first or rookie contracts. Uh, besides that, uh, twos and ones. Uh, and that's, that's really the only, the major things I thought that needed to be addressed in it. Uh, I'm not really sure. I didn't put any, any you know, finishing touches on it like you guys had uh, with these cups and belts and all that stuff, but uh, I'm kind of jealous now, so I'll find a way to integrate that as well. Yeah, I'd be curious, the Eastern Conference, Western Conference trophies, how like into the canon, how quickly they, they are cherished and sought after. Um, because if that's the case, maybe a midseason tournament banner or trophy would be interesting to people. Maybe it wouldn't. Um, the twos and ones are really interesting because, you know, when you're playing pickup, I, I think that you don't make it rain necessarily from from two, so to speak. But that if you're going to try to win millions of dollars, just the math behind shooting twos versus ones is just that much greater than threes versus twos. Um, so I do wonder if it's a twos and ones kind of pickup style game if Daryl Morey and or the Warriors just only shoot threes, which is kind of fun, but. I think it's a less critical part. Another thing that I, I forgot to mention too that I think is kind of important in terms of maybe pushing some lesser known elements of the sport uh, is the three on three aspect because there is three on three Olympic basketball. There is yeah. the big three for when these guys retire. If we could kind of, you know, figure that into the culture a little bit more to give it you know some more familiarity with audiences there might be more interest in it in the olympics and beyond the NBA. oh i like that yeah i'm just gonna throw out that it's much harder to get off an open three when you're being guarded one-on-one -on -one. just throwing that out there true yeah i mean finding the space is a little different um oh justin that's interesting and then i also wonder if they can they could uh incorporate the event as a 501c6 as a industry leader for big three basketball the way that the pga tour and until recently the nfl had been like nonprofits. It. yeah uh nba uh corporate office give me a call i've got a tax loophole for you um all right thanks for listening everyone uh unless something changes next week we're going to talk about our favorite possible celtics lineups so you can marinate over that on the weekend and uh we got something else in store for you but i'm gonna under promise and over deliver deliver on that one so thanks for listening like and subscribe if you're still here and we'll catch you later adios
We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.